Thanks for downloading this podcast from The Rock of York. We hope it inspires you. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, at The Rock of York, or search for The Rock of York on Facebook. And of course, there's the website at www.rockofyork.co.uk. But you probably already knew that. Here's something you might not know. All right, so I want to try and set a little shape to uh, our thinking and, and direction for this year for, for the changes that we will institute and for the things that we will accomplish. Um, I want to be careful, and I guess this is, this is a, a statement of prayer, um, careful that we don't lose the words that are important in words that are not. So that's my desire tonight. Also, we're springing off. Um, two years ago, we, we, we were pushing heavily the fact that we are LAFD, loved, accepted, forgiven, done. And then last year, we bounced off with the, this other one, which we call LAFD squared, because when you, when you multiply the fact against itself, that you're loved, accepted, forgiven, done. There's only one outcome you can have, which is to love, to accept, to forgive, and to do. And I'm grateful for every expression that has happened of that, particularly outside of the house and beyond the house. And thank you for everybody who has participated in that, which has shown that your main focus is not bums on seats, which sometimes I wish it was a little more, but uh, has been the serving of our community and the blessing of people's lives for which Again, I'm extremely, um, extremely grateful. Um, and so to this year, um, I want to propose to you something that's that been strong on my heart, that 2016 is a year of hope. Um, also want to say for there are those who can't be with us tonight, obviously it's still busy all of the time and around. Send us a tweet, drop us a text, let us know that you were listening tonight and if you weren't, then I want you to listen, so I'll be getting on your back, so that we can uh, just just pursue where it is that that we are and where we are going. So um, there is there is a danger in determining determining de- determining. There is a danger in determining our attitude toward the future <coughs> that we let our wounds speak louder than the wounds of Christ. Now, I think that's a pretty profound statement. Um, It speaks very strongly to me because um, we all experience wounds. Uh, And one thing I do ask of you as a body is, let's be conscientiously equal in our understanding that everybody wounds, okay? People wound, leaders wound, People's families wound, leaders' families wound. We all wound, okay? But the problem is for all of us, uh, and many of the decisions that we make that have been made uh, and do get made uh, are made out of letting our own wounds speak louder than the wounds of Christ. Um, See, the truth is that there is no healing in our own wounds. All our own wounds do produce pain, but the wounds of Christ produced healing for the nations. Um, it, it, so, 
So in the context of that, I want to talk to you about a couple of things that are, I'm going to talk about further on in the story first, and then I'm going to, I'm going to flip back on this, okay? So, so this is part of the essence of where I am and what I believe, and part of that at least nine times repeating, okay? Late afternoon, lonely mountainside, and uh, there's a figure of a man, and with him, he has, he has a heifer, which for us non-farmers is a kind of a cow. A goat, a ram, each three years old. He's got a dove and he's got a pigeon. Must have been quite a sight, but when you read this story, which, which, which you, you find in the Bible in Genesis chapter 15, you, you, you find that no instruction is given to this guy as to what to do with these creatures that he has. The man's name is Abram, A-B-R-A-M. He is, um, in the context of understanding what God was trying to do toward people, in the context of Jesus and how that all fits, is the most significant character in, in the Bible. And uh, this guy, Abraham, Abraham on this, this mountainside, has these creatures. And then, then, without being told, because he's actually familiar with the process, he, he, takes the, he takes the three animals and he slaughters them. And uh, not only does he slaughter them, but he actually divides them in two. So from head to tail, he, he cuts the animal in, in two, those three animals, the heifer, the goat... And, um, and the ram. Uh, bloody, yes. Um, barbaric in a sense, yeah. I would, I would agree with you. Completely horrific. Um, so much butchery, and yet, and yet somehow within it, laying aside the horror of all that, it carried with it, to Abraham and his culture, a sense of importance because they were saying that a promise is a matter of life and death. And, and they knew it as a blood covenant and, and Abraham knew what to do. So he took the blood, the, these, these bloody butchered carcasses and, and he, made, he made a walkway. So he put, he put half a heifer there and half a heifer there and half a ram there, half a ram there, half a goat there, half a goat there. A dead pigeon and a dead dove he put there. So he made a, a kind of a passageway. Now you can imagine the, you know, the ground saturated with blood. You can imagine the state of, of this man, Abraham, having butchered the animals. This, but, but there was something about this that beyond the the atrocity of it was trying to get through a picture of, of absolute, passionate, sincere, committed conviction that a covenant should be life or death. And I sometimes wonder whether we hold our promises that we can make so easily with the same value. See, see, if we were promising something between us back then, there was no such a thing as just saying, oh, I promise you. We, we, we did it by blood. The reason we did it by blood is not because we were bloodthirsty, 
but because we felt that promise should demand something more than just words. It should demand a life commitment. And in that, in that thing called the blood covenant, you were actually declaring that ensure as these animals have died, their blood has been shed, their carcasses have been divided. If I break this covenant, let that be done to me. That, that was how, how sincere this thing was. And um, I think sometimes we in our relationships and our commitment and our promises and what we believe is faithfulness has become a very passive thing. Um, I should be able to know that my life is safe in your hands. You should be able to know that your life is safe in my hands. I should be able to know that what you speak of me will not harm me. You should be able to know that what I speak of you will not harm you. These are called values, okay? And sometimes our life values have become as, as transient as our personal Values in an age where we can buy something, try it on, and take it back and get our money back because we just didn't fancy it. Sometimes we treat our relationships with one another that way. And I ask you the question do you think that's good? So this guy's here on the hillside, and, and, and this is all prepared, and he knows exactly what's supposed to happen. He's supposed to go through these carcasses. He's supposed to walk the path of blood. And he's supposed to make a a commitment himself to that covenant and to the other one within the covenant that cannot be broken or he has to be killed if he breaks the covenant. The, The problem is he's on his own and there's nobody else there. Because this covenant is about something bigger than just two human beings. And Abraham's there because he's wrestling with the whole texture and essence of his spirituality and, and what it means and, and, and what, what is his commitment to this person called God if there is a God and what is required of him. And he's wrestling with all this thing and he's willing to make some commitments and, and God knows that he's willing to make those commitments. But something really strange happens because... When the time comes for him to walk through the middle of the carcasses and commit himself to this covenant and all that would happen to him if he breaks it, he falls asleep. And uh, while he's away dreaming about all kinds of stuff, about pretty interesting about the future and various things, the one who wanted to enter covenant with him, which was God himself, turns up in the form of a flame, of a a, a brazier that's that's got fire in it. Now, now, again, whether you think this is symbolic or actual, I personally think it's actual, but if you think it's symbolic, whatever, the point is the same, okay? That this is saying something about the essence of who God is, that I believe to many, has been absolutely lost. Because this is not about who Abraham is, this is about who God is. It's not about Abraham's abilities and Abraham's commitments, it's about God's abilities and God's commitments. So, so he falls fast asleep while he's away in the land of Nod. This flaming thing goes through the middle of, of the bloody carcasses and 
And when Abraham finally wakes up, God speaks to him. And he talks about the covenant that I have made with you this day, which is an everlasting covenant. Or in other words, what God was saying, what has happened here right now, will never end. It's not something that will go on for a week and then it changes. This is not going to change. So... So the elements of what I am making a covenant with you today, and a covenant covenant is a commitment of promise, okay? It's a commitment of promise. God says it's going to last forever. And and what's interesting really is because Abraham never went through the path of covenant, he never committed anything to the other party, So in essence, what happened is on that day, God made a covenant with himself towards Abraham. So Abraham was not a maker of the covenant. He was only a receiver of the covenant. Abraham didn't have to think up some promises. God made the promises on Abraham's behalf. Now, the problem was with the covenant that if you broke a covenant... You had to pay the penalty of death as a covenant breaker. That's what this was all about. So the fact that God never asked Abraham to make a covenant with him, but God made a covenant with himself about Abraham, means that Abraham had never made a covenant with God. And therefore, there's this powerful statement that has changed my life, that if you didn't make it, you can't break it. So it was impossible for Abraham to break the covenant that was made that day because he never made a covenant with God. God made a covenant with him. Now that has huge implications. And there are, whether real or symbolic, the, the, the account of this making of the covenant between God and Abraham or God with himself towards Abraham really reveals several things. Let me just give you three things it reveals. Number one, that God was not willing to subject the security of the covenant to the recipients of it. That was way too risky to submit the the security of the covenant to the recipients of it. The second thing was that it it was made in such a way that Abraham couldn't break it. Okay, He couldn't even if he tried, because he was never part of the making of the covenant. And the third thing, to show how God feels about Abraham, not how Abraham feels about God. Now let me take you forward a few years to an event that we call the crucifixion. And propose to you that God was doing the same thing in that moment that was happening with Abraham way back then as a picture with animals. And that the reason Jesus' body was broken as it was on the cross and why there was so much blood is because God was again trying to get through to you and me the nature of himself and the nature of his covenant with humanity. And I propose to you that this wonderful thing called the gift of salvation actually is a gift because you never enter into covenant with God. He enters into covenant with himself about you and you become a recipient of that covenant. You see, I believe the same about Christ as Abraham had to believe about the animals. If you didn't make it, 
it, you can't break it. I can't break the covenant that God has made towards me that bring his promises to me because I never made the covenant in the first place. So when Jesus the man goes into the sleep of death, God in his fire passes through the body of Jesus. So there's this fascinating verse that says God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Same thing. The bloodied, butchered sacrifice of Jesus. So if you ever wondered why the butchery, why the savagery of the cross, why the blood? Because the same thing was happening for you and me. God was making covenant with himself and saying, I've got to do it in a way that's so serious that you will understand that I will never, I will never break this covenant. I cannot deny myself what I have promised to myself, which is to this covenant of promise to come towards you. Abraham's life was radically changed from that day. It was so changed that a couple of chapters later, God says, I'm not going to call you Abram, A-B-R-A-M anymore. I'm going to call you Abraham. Now, if you understand anything about Hebrew, right, the sound ha ha is what was formed the name Jehovah. Right? The Jews would write it J-A-H if the dead. Most of the time the dead then use the, 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 the phrase. But into the name Abram, God introduced himself right in the middle of Abraham. God in Abraham. So we have this amazing covenant that now shows how God feels about you and me, not about how we feel about God. And I have to say to you, I've got to re-emphasize this at the start of a new year, that the gospel and the work of Christ was never about how, God, how you feel about God. It was about how, it's not about how, help me. It's not to change how God feels about you. It's to change how you feel about God. Because God is, has made this covenant with us now. I'm going to take a step forward on, on the back of that because that forms the, the, the basis of understanding the promise that God has made towards us about his presence, his person, his connection in the lives of humanity. Now, I, I, I get into trouble. Uh, I have always had a profound ability to do that. Um, because I have come to believe that that this thing called the gospel reached much further than most people think that it reaches. The, you know, might as well put it on record and on tape. People call it universalism, which means you believe that everybody is saved regardless. Now, personally, I don't fully believe that, but I'm a heck of a lot closer to that than I am any other belief system. For this reason... If God made that covenant with Abraham in that way, then the covenant he made with us through Christ has got to be bigger, greater, better, more than. Okay. So, Abraham before this, because this sealed, this sealed a destiny, this, this sealed a direction. This, this helped him to grasp what was to be the doorway to his own destiny, which is why I'm telling you this. When you grasp this, you have grasped the doorway to the unfolding of your destiny. So just a little bit before this, Abraham is living in a place called Ur of the Chaldees. He's, he, it's a family environment in what was quite a developed city, actually, but, 
But it's his country, it's his people, it's his father's house, he's with his family. And uh, while he was there, Genesis chapter 12 verse 1 tells us, The Lord had said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, your father's house, and go to a land that I, I will show you. So, so there's this staggering thing comes into Abraham's heart, his spirit, his mind, that that this is not where he's supposed to be and this is not what he's supposed to see. So, so he has this burning inside him. Now, there are two or three things I want to say about this. One is that, is that all these things added value to his life. We must never doubt that. His, his country, his people, his father's house. There weren't, there weren't throwaway things. They'd all added value to Abraham's life, but, but, now, but now he was being challenged about, about moving on. Now, here's a statement about that. Leave something that has added value to your life behind for the wrong reason, and you're a fool. Let me say that again. Leave something that has added value to your life behind for the wrong reason, and you're a fool. Leave it behind because you're drawn by a promise, and that's a different matter. So the question is, how many times do we move on, move out from something that's added value to our life, not because we're drawn by a promise, but because of something else? Because like many people in life, we leave the determination of our future in the hands of others, or we blame others for the place in which we find ourselves. Abraham struggled to separate himself from some things, and he, he finished up letting his father take him to another place called Haran, and with him went most of the family. Truth is, you may not be able to control your circumstances, but you don't have to let your circumstances control you. And for a little while, this guy Abraham didn't get that scenario, and so he was kind of just dragged along by, by the tide of circumstance. And uh, so he finished up in this place called, called Haran. And then finally, he, he again stirs himself to move on. But when, when he moves on, he, when he was told to leave his country, his people, his father's house, he kind of couldn't do that. So he took stuff with him, which we often always do. Took stuff with him that ultimately, potentially, was going to be a problem in the, in, in the journey. And one of the things he took with him was his nephew. His nephew's name was Lot. Um, and taking Lot with him, what happened was ultimately Abraham's family got bigger and his possessions got more and Lot's family got bigger, his possessions got more. And then in, in chapter 13, it talks about there being quarreling between the two groups. Now, I want to remind you of something. Lot is only there because Abraham took him. He's only there because Abraham was following a word from God. Lot is the beneficiary of the promise and blessing on someone else's life. But there comes a point where Lot fails to appreciate that the blessing on his life and the success that he is having is connected to the one who took him there. makes us wonder which connections in our life are so important, so critical, 
that we should let nothing cause them to break down. Nothing. It's funny that Beth said what she said earlier because I wrote down here where ungratefulness arises, unhappiness creeps in. Where ungratefulness arises, unhappiness creeps in. When we begin to become ungrateful for what we have and where we've come from and what has been given us, in spite of the difficulties, there were difficulties because Abraham was changing and Lot was changing and the environment was changing and there were challenges to face. But you see, the problem was that the moment Lot became ungrateful, unhappiness began to arise. And so that spread through those who were connected with him. Isn't it strange to think that gratefulness might be at the core of right connections and happiness? Sometimes people think that because of the way I talk, I I may not be grateful for my heritage and my background. I'm incredibly grateful because my history is what brought me to my today. Uh, The things that I wanted to change... I only know that I want to change them because they weren't changed then. So therefore, they became a tool. They became a blessing in my life to say, okay, when the time comes, when the opportunity arises, when the necessity is there, this is what you've learned and this is where you, you move. This, this is why we've got to remember we're standing on the shoulders of giants. I remember when I preached at my late father-in-law's funeral, which is now a long time ago, 23 years. I, I brought a little verse from the Bible that talked about, about Jacob handing over to his son the ridge of ground that he had taken from the Ammonites with his own sword and bow. Just a ridge of ground, but that ridge of ground became a nation. And so I'm grateful for what was passed on. I'm grateful for what was what was learned, and I think that we far too readily break relationships um, because we develop a sense of ungratefulness for what it is that we have and where it is that we have come to. And that, I'm trying to help you, is where the unhappiness comes from. And once the unhappiness takes hold, we start to justify our ungratefulness because we say, this is not making me happy anymore. Gratefulness is, as Beth said, is a, is a wonderful, wonderful principle to keep your life and your heart together. So Abraham said to Lot, let's, let's not have any quarreling between you and me and your husband and mine. We're brothers, you know, let, if we have to part company, we have to part company. And sometimes we do and sometimes that happens. But uh, 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 Abraham did something wonderful because he said to he said to his his nephew Lot, he said, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Or in other words, um, you you choose what it is that you want to do and I won't hassle you over it. I, I need you to know that's always been the spirit of this house. I have to say this as a leader, I have to say this as a pastor, that people make choices and you need to know that people are allowed to make those choices and and are not hassled over those choices. The problem with that is that when you take the passive position, others will take advantage of you and happily take from you what is yours. And uh, I have witnessed that on 
every kind of level of life, including the citywide level, including organizationally, that when you take the passive position, others will take advantage of you and happily take from you what is yours. Um, And that was Abraham's situation because uh, Lot just took what he thought was the best, what he wanted to take, chose what he wanted to choose. The sad thing is that in spite of all that Abraham had done for Lot, Lot had at no time considered how his choices might make Abraham feel. Consider in every choice how it might make those whom the choice affects feel. Okay, This can't be a one-way traffic. I'm helping you here with your life for a new year. How might this make others who are connected to me feel? Now that doesn't always mean that our decision must change, but it means that how we make that decision and the steps we make towards that decision and the integrity that we have in that decision will be entirely different so that we can part by agreement and not by tearing. So here's Abraham now. He's been the one with the promise. He is trying to find his way through all this stuff. He's been through the unhappiness. And now he finds himself, having taken the stance that he has and the position that he has, which has been a passive position, looking out over a desert. Let's put it in other terms. Looking out over a reduced congregation. Looking out over a smaller ministry. Or whatever that might look like in your life. Or whatever that might look for us as a house. Abraham's now in this position because of this situation. So I put to you that when Abraham surveyed what this situation had left him with, he needed hope. And hope is the confident expectation that the last word has not yet been spoken. And in Abraham's case, it hadn't. Because Hope's declaration is that I confidently expect that the last word has not yet been spoken, and if it hadn't in Abraham's terms, nor has it in my term, and nor has it in your terms, the last word has not yet been spoken. But Abraham, it seems, has had taken away from him what was going to be beneficiary to him, but then God spoke to Abraham, and God said this to him, Abraham, Lot may have left you, But now lift up your eyes from where you are. Not where you'd like to be. Not where you think you should have been. But lift up your eyes from where you are. There's a great lesson in that because it's back to the old joke of the guy who stops his car in the street and asks the guy, can you give me directions to such and such? And the guy's answer is, if I were you, I wouldn't start from here. Because sometimes it can look difficult, the directions to where we know we need to go, from where we are, but the word of God to Abraham after Lot departed from him was, lift up your eyes from where you are, okay? 
So I'm saying to every one of you, in your life, with all that's going on, with the challenges, with everything you hear, with everything you see, lift up your eyes from where you are. That was the word of the Lord. It's the word of the Lord to you. Lift up your eyes from where you are. Now, where he was wasn't too good because he'd just given away everything that was the best that he could have kept for himself. It's now all gone and it looks like there's a problem here of any promise becoming reality. But God says, lift up your eyes. From where you are, look north, look south, look east, look west, and all the land that you see, I will give to you. The question was, what do you see? That's God's question. What do you see? Because all that you see, I will give it to you, was his declaration. So he could have what he saw. The question is, From where you are, what do you see? Because you can have what you see. If you see no solution, no hope, no help, no life, no future, no growth, no prospects, you can have what you see. But I propose to you that God was saying to Abraham, look above the circumstance, look beyond the situation, look past the pain that you have been carrying about this broken relationship and all that has happened. Look past that and tell me, what is it that you see? Because what you see, I will give to you when you look with the eye of faith. Now, I have to qualify this here because there are always people who look with the eye of fantasy and want to call it the eye of faith. And how I know it's the eye of fantasy because people have said to me, yeah, you know, I believe that I'm supposed to marry that person and so I'm believing God's going to give me that person the problem being that person's already married to somebody else you know so you see well that's not the word of faith that's the word of fantasy okay so 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 get your head out the sand with that I'm 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 talking about the reality of the promise of God now the reason I talked to you about what I talked to you at the beginning is that God then comes in to Abraham and said now you need to understand Abraham that I am making a promise with myself that I will fulfill to you what I said I would fulfill to you and that the onus is not on you to do anything but believe and receive and respond and walk as I tell you and I will show you I I'll show you, I'll show you. Remember Genesis 12, 1. Uh, uh, Leave your country, your people, your father's house, go to a land that I will show you. God has got something to show you. He's got a land to show you. He's got a place to show you. He's got a state of heart to show you. He's got a condition to show you. He's got a growth to show you. He's got an expansion to show you. But sometimes we've got to leave behind what were our influences, what were the things that held on to us. Sometimes we've got to leave behind what caused us the pain and what affected our heart. And understand, like I said at the beginning, that our destiny must not be determined by the pain that we feel, but by the pain that he felt. That our future, our attitude towards our future, it's not our wounds that should be speaking, but the wounds of Christ that should be speaking. And the wounds of Christ speak healing and forgiveness and kindness. It heals our scars, it heals our wounds. So I have made a determination this year, which is why I've said 2016 is a year of hope, because we are doing an Abraham, okay? We are looking out from where we are and we're hearing what God says, that what you see, I'll give it to you. Now, 
in a year's time, we'll know what it was we saw. Because if we see aggravation and opposition and pain and disruption and division, we can have what we see. But if we see blessing and expansion and life and love and kindness and generosity, if we see the things we've been talking about, love, accept, forgiven, done to people, if we see lives being changed, if that's what we see, transformation in our city, if we see the people who want to be unconventional or by design coming into the house, if we see that, God says, if you lift up your eyes from where you are, the land that you see, I will give it to you. It's powerful to me as a leader to understand that in the context of the house. It all filters down by degree to the points of your life that if you will grab this, it works in the life, it works in the organization, it works in the family, it works in the friendship, it works in the group. It's the same principle, the same principle. So what do you see? First of all, you're not going to see much if you're like this. Seriously, I'm not trying to be funny. If you look like this, you can only see one thing, and that is circumstance. Now, you understand the word circumstance. The word circumstance means the circle in which you stand. And the way that we're governed by circumstance is when we look down, because what we're aware of is our feet in the middle of our circumstances. So that's why God says you've got to lift up your eyes. You've got to lift up. You've got to lift up. It takes an act of faith sometimes because we feel beaten down. We feel pressured. We feel, how can I? And then we have the fear that if I lift up my eyes, I'm not going to see anything more than what I currently see. I guarantee you when God says lift up your eyes and you do, you suddenly start to see things and you're grateful. You're grateful again. So grateful that God brought you this far. Grateful for the experiences. Grateful for the lessons. Grateful for the covenant that can't be broken. Grateful for the grace that is on your life. Grateful for another opportunity to be light in the darkness, to be bread to the hungry, and to be hope to the lost. Lift up your eyes. So I I am declaring to you that 2016 is a year of hope. And it's a year of hope because we have a confident expectation that the last word has not yet been spoken. Father, bless everybody who's here tonight. Let us hear this word, receive it, walk in it, and see our world change around us because we are walking into a possession and an inheritance in Jesus' name. Amen. We're done. And you are free to go. Thanks for listening. You might not be aware that The Rock is funded completely through donations from people like yourself. So if you feel like you're part of our community, it would be great if you could make a contribution by visiting our website at www.rockofyork.co.uk and just click on the donate button for more information. Thanks again. Thanks again.